Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. From the Popcorn Talk Network, the number one online broadcast network for movie talk, this is the Cosplay Coach. Costume breakdowns and tips and tricks to create your own. And now, the coach yourself, Meredith Placco. And friends, we're going to have to like, <laughs> like, it's not just me now, because I've got, well, I made a proposal to Emma, and she accepted. <laughs> we have a, you have an Elaine on? I'm so excited. Anyways, hi everyone. Welcome to episode three of the Cosplay Coach. It is going to be a very sentimental episode, I feel, today, because we are going to talk about the wonderful and marvelous costumes of Steven Spielberg's 1991 Hulk with the beautiful soundtrack. I am your host, Meredith Placco, with our cosplay coachettes. Hello, I am Emma Vife. And I am Elena Jordan. (laughs) And you guys out there in the wonderful world, if you are listening to us on iTunes, please go down and and give us that little five-star rating uh, and subscribe to us there because it lets uh, our our people here at the Popcorn Talk Network know that you're watching us. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you know, hit, hit like. Hit that up thumbs up button because again, uh, the more they know that you guys are watching, uh, not just views that you actually like what we're doing, that <laughs> keeps us coming back. So it would really uh, mean a lot to us here because I know this is a labor of love, uh, it but it's a show we've really been enjoying, and, and we do want to keep bringing you more stuff because we have some really great stuff coming up. Yes, I can't talk about <laughs> it yet, but we'll talk about it later. Um, anyways, yeah, I'm Meredith Placco. You can find me at. M Placco on the Twitters and the Instagrams, and I'm actually uh, real, real quick. I'm really excited. Um, keep an eye out on uh, my Instagram, and more importantly, at We Love Fine, uh, because uh, tying into next week's show, they're going to be releasing some pretty amazing, adventurous, <laughs> uh, age one stuff. might say marvelous. <laughs> Items uh, that I got to be a part of that shoot a couple weeks ago, <laughs> and I'm really, really stoked because uh, I know there's, you know, um, what is uh, her universe just yes. dropped her hot topic. Oh my line. gosh, I want that Stark bomber jacket so badly. I know the, I need the Captain America dress. I need it. I need <laughs> and I need the the Black Widow one, which is a great design based off Chris Anka's mm-hmm. uh, redesign of Black Widow. But, um, yeah, their stuff is great, but I'm really excited to see uh, what Wheel of Fine also has coming out. Because uh, being a nerd, like a fashionable nerd, now is the time. It's these, so true. These companies are really hitting home with this stuff. So uh, keep an eye out on, on the Insta hams for some really cool stuff. <laughs> Anyways, how can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Emma Fife and also on Instagram at Emma Fife. So follow my Instagram and maybe you'll see me wearing some of those <laughs> Hot Topic slash Wheel of Fine items once I obtain them. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at Elena Jordan and on Instagram at that Elena Jordan girl. Oh, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm learning. The, I'm switching names soon because uh, the, Meredith Placco, it's not going to be working for the future. <gasps> I'm just going to say it's just not going to be in the cards for the future. I see. Uh, and so I'm, I'm trying to find how I can get the name I already want is taken on one platform. So I'm like, can it be like that blah 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 tweets and that blah 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 took pics like it's such a it's such a weird platform but for now you can find me at M Placco. <laughs> all right we're gonna we're gonna get into things here um I, you know it was so weird i know we, we try to do 
relevant and hot media, but I, I we kind of had a, a break where I'm like, okay, there's nothing necessarily coming out, and I wanted to. I, I love Hook. Like I, oh yeah, I, it's and I forgot how much I loved it, and uh, and it's so funny because I think as a cosplayer, I see a Rufio at every convention. Yeah, it's very popular. And and it's not the Disney version. This isn't a Disney treatment. This is, you know, Spielberg's own little uh, dream to put this together. And it is a, a sequel, you would say, of the Peter Pan mythos. Yep, totally. Uh, for those of you not familiar, Peter Pan grew up. And he forgot how to be a kid. Mm-hmm. And then he learns. And then he forgets how to adult. I know. Yeah, that I, I yeah. had pseudo forgotten because I just rewatched the movie last night that in that scene where he does recall all of his Peter Pan mm-hmm. memories and initially you see this really nice like, I'm a grown up, but I still know how to be Peter Pan. And then he just goes way in the Peter Pan direction <laughs> and it is not good. He's just like, it's it's one extreme or the other. Yeah. And that's, I think at the, the end of the movie, it kind of. What it left me with was you have to kind of be both. You can't mm-hmm. you can't be adult all the time, but you can't shuck your responsibilities and pretend that you're a kid. So I think at the end, you know, Peter found his uh, happiness, and I hope uh, I hope everyone out there can find their happiness too. <laughs> Even Tink, you know, why is it Tink is always mean? I don't know. She was a lot nicer in Hook yeah. than she is in yeah. the Disney cartoon of That's Peter Pan true. because she's in love with Peter and she can't be with them because she's a fairy. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, so, that would make anybody a little grouchy. Yeah. I'm Unre- to watch him and Wendy. I understand. I get it too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, unrequited love. It sucks. <laughs> I think it's just so great. This movie was able because it's the sequel to mm-hmm. the Peter Pan and Wendy, which was 1911. Yeah. And having this be even now so relevant to mm-hmm. modern it's just such this timeless piece and i think that's why people keep coming back to it to cosplay is because it's a story that isn't just from your childhood it's one that still holds up yeah, still cries. Cries. yeah i know it's yeah. and it's i mean you know you can't you can't not talk about the robin williams factor i think of for so not. many of us he he was a hero growing up mm-hmm. but you know going back and seeing dame maggie, maggie smith you know as yes. as wendy and um Oh my god! Just the whole cast is—it's is it's an incredible cast. I had forgotten what a huge cast it was until yeah. I was watching it well, last night. And I'm, I'm I'm blanking on his name, but the actor who plays Smee was the lead from Who Framed Bob Hoskins. Yeah, Bob Hoskins. Yeah, um, who also sadly is no longer. I with know. Us. Yeah. So I, th- this was the first time that I'd watched Hook since both Robin Williams mm-hmm. and Bob Hoskins have since passed away, and it just—it's already such an emotional, touching kind of movie because uh, you know, being a young adult, you are trying to find that balance. I think between being an adult and still having the kind of joy that you felt as a child. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, there are these two dead actors that I love in it. And I just, it was, <laughs> it was I, I cried through the whole oh, movie last night. Well, Hoffman's well, just brilliant, uh, he is, too. Dustin Hoffman's, oh my gosh, his performance in this is incredible. And one of my favorite things about Hook, this is getting a little <laughs> off topic here, but I just need to say is that um, Dustin Hoffman and Bob Hoskins actually... <laughs> made the decision that Hook and Smee were gay lovers. <laughs> so that was how they were playing it, but they didn't tell anybody, oh and they didn't God. do anything outright. What's your motivation? <laughs> yes. gay for each yes, other. they made up their mind that they were gay lovers. Wow, that, uh, you know, if fanfiction.net was around in 91, <laughs> they would have had a field day with that. Um, so yeah, so uh, throughout this episode, we're going to probably go back to non-costume stuff, because it's, it's really hard without this, but Getting into it, um, <laughs> let's uh, talk about the costume designer, Anthony Powell, who, yes, yes is the cousin to Sandy Powell, who yes. worked on Cinderella. 
which is super awesome. Uh, he's worked with uh, he worked with Spielberg. This isn't the first time. Um, he also did the uh, Temple of Doom and mm-hmm. Last Crusade, mm-hmm. which are Indiana Jones movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he uh, also has won three Academy Awards, but for his work with Travels with My Aunt in '72, Death on the Nile in '78, and Tess in 1979. Mm-hmm. Which an interesting thing about his work with Tess, he actually set a lot of fashion standards in the '70s and '80s. The yeah. hats from that uh, yeah. movie would go on to be reproduced by other like famous fashion designers. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of a, despite being a stage and film uh, designer, he kind of set a lot of trends, which is, uh, and I read in an interview, he, he felt very honored. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was interesting, too. I was reading that same interview where he was talking about the kind of fabrics that they used in Tess and how, mm-hmm. at the time, Laura Ashley was producing a line of fabrics that they thought, oh, great, they're doing these sort of prairie, lovely floral print fabrics, and we'll just we'll just go to Laura yeah. Ashley and we'll buy it by the yard. And they told the people at Laura Ashley, hey, we want to do this. And they said, uh, no, you're going to have to get permission. Oh. But then later on, his assistant was actually staying with Laura Ashley, and she was and Laura Ashley mm-hmm. said to her, "Hey, on Sunday nights we we always watch Tess because we just get such great inspiration from it." Oh my god! So ultimately, they were all kind of stealing from each other, which I thought was interesting. Collaborating. Yes, <laughs> I love that he's worked with Maggie Smith so many times. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. and his Oscar win when she played mm-hmm. Augusta. Yes, yes. So and those costumes were just insanely amazing. Mm-hmm. So it's every time that he works with Maggie Smith, he's just like, here, look amazing. <laughs> I, I feel like he's one of the, these designers that if we wanted to kind of go off the beaten path, we can highlight a lot of his other careers because um, he did Pirates, which he did with Roman Polanski. Yes. And you'll actually see a lot of inspiration from Hook came from mm-hmm. his work on Pirates, mm-hmm. which is is phenomenal. But we'll... Uh, I was gonna. I had a picture for that, but I think it's later on in the line. Yeah, there we go. There it is. There it is. Yeah, I know. It looks like the cast of Hook, it, but it's not. It it's, really does. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, one of the things too about about Powell of the Anthony variety, he started in theater, and you can actually see so much of that coming through in his work. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of the the big over the top costume designs, especially when you think about pirate coats. You know, you have the the oversized sleeves and everything is kind of like. A half a size too big, mm-hmm. and it, it looks like the actors are swallowing or being swallowed in it, and I and I love that. And also with his fabric choices and, and stuff, he really just kind of pulls mm-hmm. from this inspiration, which I I find especially in the '90s, you didn't have a lot of films that were doing that. That kind of went away from that old Hollywood idea of let's make a moving theater film like story mm. and and this kind of brought back something that we eventually see later on in, in films like um uh the butcher of barbers here uh, sweeney todd sweeney todd and yeah. mm-hmm. chicago and yep. moulin rouge and i i feel like this really kind of set the tone for those films to come later out yeah those sort of broad theatrical mm-hmm. films i mean this is something that we chatted about a little in our pre-episode on Periscope that that Hook has this incredibly theatrical quality to it across the board mm-hmm. in that there are lots of big sweeping scenes where you see just tons of characters. Mm-hmm. And the same thing goes for the set as well. I mean, just looking at the set design, it's you basically have your two main sets, your one big pirate ship mm-hmm. that you see in its entirety, and then also the Lost Boys hideout, which is this very cool treehouse, essentially. But once again, that's something you could easily do on stage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially the shots when when 
Peter first arrives on the ship, and they're very like static mm-hmm. shots. That like the camera doesn't move a lot, but the action happens within that shot. Yes, I, I felt like you know, and even my boyfriend remarked on. It, he's like, "Wow, this! I feel like I'm watching a like a theatrical yeah, production." Absolutely. I'm like, yeah, and all the little details, and, and like you were saying, the stage details. I mean, I feel everything about this film. It just it worked well. It was really smart. Is there some good stuff going yeah, on? Yeah, I just uh, I was noticing uh, we have uh, Bill Pollahan in our chat right now. He's commenting all over it. He says that Tinkerbell was a lot seemed a lot nicer in this because it was Julia Roberts yeah. and uh, she's always smiling. It's true. She's got that Mona Lisa <laughs> smile. Uh, he also uh, commented that uh, Bob Hoskins was of course Eddie Valiant mm-hmm. in the uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, mm-hmm. and Alexis Torres, a dear friend of all of ours, uh, says we should do. A Downton Abbey episode. Uh, yes, that will happen. And then I can I can wear my um, costume from that. And we can talk go. more yeah. about Maggie Smith. Maggie can. Hey, yeah. another Maggie Smith fun fact mm-hmm. going back to his theatrical mm-hmm. thing. He actually worked with her when he returned to Broadway for the theatrical revival of Private Lives. Oh my gosh. He worked with Maggie Smith again. So yeah. they had that theatrical base working together before they even went into the movie. You yeah. know, you see this a lot too with, with directors and actors and costume designers and actors where they, they develop these great relationships. And I think that, that shows through on stage and screen that, you know, when two people really fit, mm-hmm. it works. It shows. It totally does. Um, yeah. Oh, and real quick, guys, if you want to join in on the chat, go to youtube.com slash popcorn talk network yeah. and uh, jump into the live chat. And Emma here will field questions. Yes. Feel free. If someone says something, yeah. just interrupt. Yeah. You if know? You, and if you have a question, yeah. guys, just type it in the chat. I'm keeping my eyes on yeah. it and uh, we'll we'll get to it when we get to a yeah. good interruption point. Because <laughs> we, are, we are here for you. We, we'll sit here and celebrate all this stuff, but we want to answer your questions. So <laughs> that's why we're here. Um, and so I found this really great quote with, with uh, Anthony Powell when he was talking about creating the, the stage and screen. He says, uh, what the difference is between designing for the stage and screen is that it took me a long time to realize this, but you see more of the costumes on the stage. I was trained in theater, so I was trained to do top to bottom. So I've always done wigs and makeup and the whole lot. Very, very d- difficult in films because so many of the hair and makeup people come from television where they're taught that the costume designer's work stops at the neck. You get into real problems with some of those very... I- intractable people who you think you're telling them how to do their job. I would never go in and trample on anyone, but we need to cooperate. It's just trying to get an all-over coherent look on the whole thing. And I thought that was such an amazing reveal because you know, coming from a theatrical background as well, you know, I really understand completing the look and then mm-hmm. having transitioned out here and learning how sets are done and how people on, on set life work. It's very car- car- compartmentalized. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that because I also come from a theater background mm-hmm. and have primarily, in terms of design, design costumes for theater productions. So looking at the work on Hook, I'm thinking, oh, this is a theater costume yeah. designer's dream. The Lost Boys, you get a costume stock, you pull a bunch of stuff, you go crazy. Um, but, but yes, every time that I'd ever designed anything, I, I did, if I had makeup artists mm-hmm. at all, usually it was just the actors doing their own makeup and I was just telling them, here's what you need to do. So it is, it is very interesting to, to transition into the more film and television mm-hmm. side of things where it, it's true. Hair and makeup's a completely separate department. And also as a cosplayer, so much we have to do our, yes. ourselves. Like I, okay. I absolutely suck at wigs and I, I will spend a lot of money to pay someone else to make yes. my wigs good because if, I mean, if it's, unless it's like a plain style that I can buy online, I, I'm not, I'm like, I can't. And as much as I've tried and I've destroyed many a wig, uh, I will be like, here, hairdresser, here, amazing, uh, you know, former RuPaul's Drag Race member, please, <laughs> please 
make please make this wig yeah. and then um and it's great too with with cosplay growing there are people who specialize in different things mm-hmm. Chrissy Lynn Kyle who's a makeup artist here in LA will do wig commissions and actually come out to conventions and do makeup for you for hire obviously yeah. and if uh, if you guys want to see some of her amazing work at Celebration this weekend uh, they did a whole group of Star Wars bunnies yes I saw them yes. with, uh, with Castle Corsetry Castle Corsetry yeah. did all the designs yeah. and Chrissy Lynn did the makeup on my favorite the Akbar bunny yes just look that up, please, please, and give Jenny help for that because it's amazing. But you know, it's and, and now you actually have people who specialize in doing these and cosplay and, and make a living off of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that isn't that the dream right there? So I know, like, right? make a make a living off of creating and or modeling cosplay. Exactly. I, I'm still trying to figure it out. I feel like that's why so many cosplayers do come from that theater background too, mm-hmm. because you're used to doing your own makeup. You have yes kind of your plot that you're given and even your wardrobe it, there's going to be some shifts that you have to yeah. kind of adjust yeah. yourself and so you know having that theater background where what you're wearing really becomes such an intrinsic part of the character yeah mm-hmm. that being able to say okay this is what I wanted to do is Kind of yeah, cool. and, and yeah. also I think coming from a theater background, there's kind of two schools of thought with cosplay. There are the people that want every little detail to be 100% accurate. They want their armor to be made out of metal, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then you have theater people who are like, how can I just make this work? Yep. <laughs> and I think there's there's a place in cosplay for both. And I even totally the marriage agree. Of, but, and that's something I actually had to learn is how to let go of some yes. of the details. Yeah. It's, it's tough because I'm like, you know, you have to... And, and so... Getting off track a little bit, because I, I just want to touch on this from the cosplayer's aspect. You kind of have to look at cosplay from different uh, aspects. Like, are you are you competing on stage at a costume contest where if you're entering for craftsmanship, obviously your craftsmanship mm. has to be impeccable. Of course. But if you're just going for the masquerade uh, portion, which is where you perform, you know, you can kind of get away with the 10-foot rule mm-hmm. as long as it looks good from 10 feet away. Exactly. And that's, and that's kind of a stage the, mentality. Mm-hmm. And I've then adopted the five oh first mentality it, where mm, the ten, ten feet, feet screen accurate, and I'm like, oh, I like yeah, that. yeah, it's good. And then if you're just going to walk around the show floor, you can kind of get away with a little bit here and there because what people don't see behind the scenes never hurt anyone. <laughs> we have just a lot saying. of people on the, the people on our chat are having a conversation amongst themselves right now, uh, <laughs> mostly about X Men. So I think we'll have to do an X Men episode <laughs> yeah. Well, sometime. Yeah, no, I, I think once once uh, we can do that because uh, yeah. I have costumes for everyone. I can put you all in. Perfect. I make a lot. That's my specialty is making <laughs> specifically X-Men stuff because I love the X-Men. That's awesome. Anyways, getting back, back to, to Hook. Hook. Back to Hook. Uh, one of the like, uh, little anecdotes I, I found from Anthony Powell um, was what happens when costumes get left on the cutting room floor? Because a lot of times we'll see concept designs or even costumes that never make it into a scene. Mm-hmm. And so he says, when we were doing Hook, there was this wonderful self-contained 20-minute fantasy musical sequence, brilliantly, brilliantly arranged by Madonna's choreographer, which was actually the best bit of the film. There are lots of costumes made specifically for it, with the whole pirate town set full of people, pirate beauticians and everything. It was all shot, but in the end, Steven Spielberg cut the whole sequence from the film. It's not even in the DVD release. I know. That really bums me out. I really <laughs> I want to see that. I know. It sounds like the like uh, masquerade scene from Labyrinth yeah. or something. <laughs> they just decided, nah, doesn't need that. So Spielberg, since we know you're obviously mm-hmm. listening, go ahead and release that 20 minutes and we will watch it. I, I, I mean, that's just like, to me, it, it would have probably added, okay, an extra, you know, from a two hour and 21 minute film, mm-hmm. but it would have been great. It should, let's just actually redo Hook as a musical. Done. Ah. Done. Yep. I love it. 
I would love All that. All right. So now we know a little bit about Anthony and his thought process. Let's get uh, to the portion where we talk about the costumes, because I know you guys want to know that. Um, and I found a bunch of great online resources that look at the costumes and props. Mm-hmm. Maybe do you want to talk about your Yeah, site? there's so actually a lot of the uh, hook costumes and props are in various prop archives, so places that, you know store them and some of them even rent them out mm-hmm. as like an exhibition if you if, for example if you guys ever go to like Arclight movies out here if you live in Los Angeles <laughs> yes. you'll notice a lot of the time they will have displays of the costumes and props and stuff from the film that's very much what this is like so yeah there was a there was a whole bunch of really really great resources I found um one thing that I thought was really interesting that I, I, you barely even notice in the film because it never really gets a good close up is actually a, a prop that's worn by the character of Rufio, uh, who's played by a young Dante Bosco, uh, <laughs> as somebody commented in the chat, uh, baby Prince Zuko <laughs> from Avatar The Last Airbender, the cartoon, yes. obviously. Let's, the, the movie, forget about it. But he does, I mean, most people notice, and this is something that I don't always necessarily see even incorporated into Rufio cosplay, um, they do incorporate the bone teeth necklace mm-hmm. that he wears, but he actually has a pendant on the end of that that is supposed to be a, a sterling silver baby rattle. Um, and I, I did find a really, really nice detailed shot of that, uh, which you can see better in the photo of him that Stevens just brought up where he's wearing his armor and it, it stands out a little bit more against that because you do have a little bit more of the contrast. I, I actually love the way that the Lost Boys create their armor to go into battle <laughs> where they're all kind of running through either like bamboo screens or they're putting on leaves and and feathers and branches. But the uh, the baby rattle pendant that he has, you can see the end of it is, is sort of a, an egg shape. So I was thinking a little bit today just as I was studying this about how we would make this. And honestly, uh, run to the Joann's or Michael's right now. I'm sure they still have yeah. Easter eggs. Uh, you mm-hmm. can drill holes in that in order to string a wire through it to attach a chain to it. Mm-hmm. Spray paint it a nice chrome silver and then uh, dry brush a little uh, acrylic paint on it to make it look a little weathered. Voila. You could even put a little bead in there if you yeah, want to make yeah. it actually rattle. Yeah. Well, and that's like, uh, just going back to the details of this film. So one of the things I loved about the Lost Boys in general was you can kind of see what era yes. they all came yes. from. And, and Rufio obviously is like a punk kid from like the 80s. Totally. When he, when he left uh, home... And and ah, the the rattle is just such a significant. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, I don't have words. I yeah. just have emotions. Yeah, those I, details are just incredible yeah. when that provides the backstory again from yeah. a theatrical mm-hmm. perspective. You have this tiny prop that you may not even reference, but to the character, it means so it's much. It's so important, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and in this film, we do sometimes see props that are referenced as being so important to the character. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. for example. Uh, uh, Peter gives his son Jack his watch. That's yeah. that's a prop that we see actively involved as this is something that's sentimental. But something like this, once again, it's just as important mm-hmm. to the character, though it's never actually addressed within the context of the film. Yeah, it's it's so wonderful, and I love I love the idea of like I like the way you're gonna make make that. Yeah, that's good. thank you. That's good. Yeah, no, I was I was thinking I just no. was looking at it. I was like, that looks like an yeah. Easter egg. It does because it even has like the it little does. lip on it. Yeah, that's so perfect. Yeah. I saw um, one cosplay that I lost my mind over, and it was mm-hmm. an ice cream Rufio, and <laughs> instead of bones, they were plastic spoons. Oh my god! Oh, and it was genius. And that goes back to the whole yeah. you know screen accurate or taking your own liberties with it. I lost my mind over that That's one amazing. even more than some that I saw that were incredibly screen accurate. And I was like, but it doesn't make me want ice cream. Why do you think, <laughs> why do you think Rufio is so loved in the cosplay community? 
I, I'm just it curious. Just, it perfectly integrates the style of the time mm-hmm. when the movie was made, that kind of early 90s. Oh, yeah, yeah that just totally. embodies your whole childhood. Yeah. Like the legend of Billie Jean, like yeah. rock, they're like yeah, <laughs> and then but it also has those elements that are so key to the film, having kind of you know the piratey aspect, yeah. And now with steampunk being such a huge yes. thing, having that incorporated, and so having like this '80s punk rock steampunk character that already exists. That is so much fun to portray, and just his character is so loved in the film. Too. So well, and it's one of the things I I loved and kind of forgotten about mm-hmm. was just how he how when he accepted Peter when they when they when yes. they do the little bow, you know, the very flourishy bow, and then the caca. Like I was <laughs> like, it, it's great to see him. He's not like this hard ass the entire time. No, he's no. not. He he very much idolizes mm-hmm. Peter, and I think that his. Uh, initial rejection of him actually comes from this is my hero and I'm seeing him in this state that is unrecognizable mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so then when he does re-become the pan yes. then then we really see Rufio embrace him because this is the person he'd grown up on stories of yeah. who he essentially attempts to emulate he's kind yeah. of lost his hope for that yeah. a little bit and then having it revive and seeing it through Rufio's eyes that's you relate to that most as an audience member because you're saying, I too am recognizing this. Yes. I know the yep. story of Pan. Yep. This is how he's supposed to yep. be. And that, that theme of, of hope is throughout the film. I, love yes. I see that it so really much. Is. It's uh, so loved. My um, mm-hmm. my friend, I have to do a quick shout out to my mm-hmm. friend Sarah because her license plate actually says Bangarang because Aww. she loves this movie so much. She always gets a specialized license plate to say Bangarang. So that's Yay. good. <laughs> so I also found some really great details on Dustin Hoffman's uh, hook oh jacket gosh, as well. Did. So this is actually, it is a red wool coat mm-hmm. uh, but fortunately the undercoat, which is exactly the same coat, essentially, just without sleeves. Yeah. That is made out of cotton. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so much so much lighter and more lovely to wear, especially if you're wearing the, the uh, heavy wool coat on top of that. Uh, and then, yeah, basically all of the all of the stuff he wears underneath are made out of much lighter, more breathable fabrics. Those are apparently all made out of cotton, but the the top coat is in fact made out of a heavy, deep red wool, wow. and uh, obviously has a lot of trim on it and oversized buttons. Mm-hmm. Uh, those buttons are much larger than pirates would have probably actually worn. <laughs> but Hook is certainly a very uh, over the top character carpet uh, yeah carpet. <laughs> <laughs> um the the next image you can see just a, a single like image of the coat on a mannequin so Stephen, if you want to show us the next one there there we yeah. go and it really just kind of shows all the the gold detail which yeah. the you see that in a lot of you know parts of the caribbean various anime mm-hmm. costumes and and you could easily recreate that with like even if you're just going to like joanne's mm-hmm. and you get the mm-hmm. the gold ribbon the yep. flat gold ribbon yes because if you were to, you you certainly can get really yes. nice gold oh, trim. Yes. Trim is one of the most surprisingly expensive mm-hmm. things that you encounter when you're sewing. But I will say, there's a website called UrbanThreads.com. Oh, we, I, yeah, they I've heard of them before. Gore, yeah, it's gorgeous yeah. golden board. It normally is kind of on the pricey side, but when they have sales, kind of same as Joanne, you go in and yeah. you can get large amounts of it. Same because you know you're going to use it. Yeah, MJ Trends is another trim shop uh, based out of New York City. Mm-hmm. 
that I source from. And and generally speaking, when I have a trim heavy p- project, I just drop the money and buy a whole spool. Yeah, just to be it's on the totally safe worth side. it. Yeah, because you always need more trim yeah. than you think. It's it's true. Like if if you ever uh, are familiar with an anime or manga called Trinity Blood mm-hmm. yeah. or Trim Blood, because you bleed <laughs> trim to make these costumes. <laughs> Uh, you, I learned a lot about doing the style of design on that, and it's really, yeah. You, you could glue, but really, hand sewing it down is mm-hmm. going to be the best. Yes, and I wouldn't even bother with a machine stitch because it's just so many curves. Mm-hmm. Just hand tack it. It'll- I was going to say, and, and on the contrary, though, if yeah. you were to use ribbon, ribbon is yes. actually really easy to sew so, on by yes, machine. So yeah. if you were to to fake that with ribbon, uh, and you can see <laughs> in the uh, the fight image that we've got up of uh, Peter and Captain Hook there. And actually, w- what I love is that uh, Jack actually has a perfect miniature <laughs> version. I want the miniature costume. I know, Where can of, I bid uh, on that? Of, I want to own that costume yeah they they made a little uh, a little mini version of it for uh charlie Cosmo who plays jack yes um and uh and then after that we we have a close-up just on some of the trim so you can see the detail mm-hmm. on that and just the giant gold buttons and and also to the little tassels which if you yeah. go to like the home decor section yeah, yeah. you can uh you can easily find those it's uh you know the, the thing about sourcing for cosplays look thinking outside the box yes you that's exactly yep. i love thrift stores because i'll go to where they have their pillows mm-hmm. and pillows from the thrift store are always crazy oh, cheap because yeah. yeah. nobody wants them yep. so they'll a lot of them will have the really mm-hmm. nice tassel trim around mm-hmm. it i get it cut that off yeah and then i use the trim and it's 50 cents for yep. this big versus like Fifteen dollars, which is crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and just throw away the rest of it. And it, and again, it's or or don't even throw away the rest yeah, of it. Yeah. You can repurpose the stuffing of the pillow if you ever need to do a project that requires something that needs to be stuffed. It's true. I just <laughs> always throw it in the dryer because I'm worried about it from the thrift store. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have to run it through on high heat um, once. Yeah, just for maybe Febreze it a little. Kind of allergic <laughs> to thrift stores sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, you can see there are these nice spiral buttons on it, and they they don't appear to be functional. I believe no. that they were in fact just decorative uh, you would have to cut very very large buttonholes in order to actually yeah use and, those. Even, and, and you can see kind of where there's like a strip of satin ribbon mm-hmm. and even underneath yeah. the mm-hmm. where the buttonholes would be to just yep. kind of add some layer and depth and that's something too when you're thinking about costumes adding that extra depth in it mm-hmm. you know will really kind of make it pop it's, yeah it's the little details oddly enough that i love when i'm, I'm constructing yeah absolutely i mean it, it adds also a, a level of Realism to it mm-hmm. because if you do something that's too flat, it ends up looking cartoonish. Um, that's why I love using wire trimmed ribbon, yep. especially yeah. because just having that, even if you're not even bending it mm-hmm. or for any reason, for whatever reason, just having that little bit of depth to it mm-hmm. makes it look so much nicer. Yeah, and yeah. you don't do anything different. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. yes, this is certainly one of the uh, most uh, iconic costumes, costumes in yeah. the film. Well, I, I think, I mean, to be honest, it really is. Oh, and here's a great shot. I love this one because it kind of shows <laughs> uh, Dennis next to the animated hook, which they, I mean, it was a pretty great interpretation mm-hmm. of oh, that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, despite the fact that this was not a no, Disney film, at, at this point, I mean, basically once Disney does something, mm-hmm. everybody everywhere has the image of Disney in their brain. And if you stray too far from that, it's going to be distracting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think they did a really nice job in this film of stepping away from Disney, but still paying a little, like, homage exactly. to it. Exactly. And, and it kind of also goes to show, too, where, you know, one of the things from coming from an anime cosplay background mm-hmm. is that things are flat. Things are very, you know, in an animated 
uh, movie or TV show, you, it's very it's two-dimensional <laughs> for obvious reasons. And and how you can take something and really expound on it. Do we have, a, do we have some comedy? Yes, yeah, so we will, because we were talking yeah. about Dante Bosco. Uh, somebody was asking if we were going to do uh, an Avatar The Last Airbender cosplay episode. Uh, yes. Uh, not the movie, <laughs> the cartoon. Yes. Yes, we are. Or we might yes. talk about where the movie went wrong. <laughs> they got, they, they got the, they got uh, the kids' costume, right? Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. We'll get, nope. we'll, no, but we are going to do it. pictures of the movie are fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, we are definitely going to do that because I, I love Avatar. Me too. Huge fan. Yeah. And uh, maybe I'll eventually get my Azula done. Some crazy <laughs> like that. Yeah. Uh, I, it's hard to say that, like, Hook's costume was the most iconic and also probably the, the closest to the Disney film because, mm-hmm. you know, Peter and especially Tinks, you know, Tinks is not at all. No, it really isn't. I, I'm actually surprised how far they yeah. went with that character. But I think they had to, to be honest, yes, to really yeah. distance themselves. And, you know, it's great. Um, and then I think we have a, a close-up of the waistcoat, too. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit right there. There just it is. to see some of that yep. detail. Yep. Uh, and for those of you listening on iTunes, we'll have a link on uh, popcorntalknetwork.com so you can download all these files and see them for yourself. But we see the the same buttons reused, yep. uh, which this is definitely a, uh, I believe this is a functional uh, yes, waistcoat. so yes, that yeah. that appears that mm-hmm. it is actually but, buttoned across the front there. Yeah, and then what they what they did with uh with that is they just used the trim to create the button mm-hmm. uh loops, which is a great way that if you don't want to make buttonholes, you can actually mm-hmm. use trim to create it. Yeah. And it's a really I good thing. I typically cheat when it's a lot of buttons mm-hmm. like that and just have them all on one side and then just use a hook and eye to attach halfway down underneath. Yeah. 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 Because so nobody can tell yeah. no. when you're on the con floor. Well, and I was going to say and, and to to that note with this, they very well Could've, may yeah. have done that. Yeah. And it would have probably it would have been easier to get in and out yep. of for him mm-hmm. because buttons are fun no no, no. <laughs> though i will say if anyone out there is looking for a really good machine that does amazing buttonholes the uh, brother sc 400 that's my my go-to uh it has a four by six embroidery hoop one of the best buttonholers i've ever seen right. also has a, a full a faux like a fake serge stitch so if you want to sew spandex it's one got one of the better surging stitches yeah, on it that's i love so the brother yeah. just for that reason because yeah. mm-hmm. i was spoiled with the industrial serger yeah mm-hmm. and then when i left school I had to, all right let me figure this out yeah, like, okay. Cool. Uh, and then now we've got some patterns if you want to look up. This, uh, the one right here is an old out of, out of, uh, commission pattern, 7791, but I believe you can still find it on eBay. The and internet. This is, yeah, this is pretty much, this is Hook. There's no denying that's it. That's a, that's a Disney, classic yeah, Disney, Disney Captain Hook right there. Yeah. Uh, and this is a more modern one that you can get now, the Simplicity 2330. It's a longer version of the Hook coat. But can easily be modified. Mm-hmm. And I actually love this pattern because it also is the Mad Hatter. But if you're, again, into steampunk stuff, it's a really great base mm-hmm. pattern for steampunk. And then this last one I actually have mm-hmm. with me. This is um, Simplicity 4923. I know you can absolutely still get this at yep. Joanne now. Hopefully you picked it up last week when <laughs> they were a dollar. Um, but anyhow, this this is actually a Pirates of the Caribbean costume, as you can clearly tell. Mm-hmm. But the great thing is that this coat pattern is actually very, very similar to the one that Dustin Hoffman has in the movie of Hook. I actually have a coat that is made from that pattern. I can't take credit for this. My mom made this when this pattern was first released, <laughs> which was... Uh, 
back in oh 2003 oh when Pirates of the Caribbean came out. I, I did I didn't really start doing a lot of my own sewing until I was in college and couldn't just go, Mom, <laughs> can you make this for me right now? I still do that sometimes. <laughs> but anyway, so this is a coat that's actually made out of it, and so you can see it's flat across the front. This one does have buttons on it, but you needn't do that. Um, certainly, if you were doing the Dustin Hoffman hook costume, you would just do trim all along here. And buttons. It does have pockets. They're not functional. They're just flaps. It looks like it has pockets. Uh, and this this is made out of an ultra suede. And it's sort of like your go to. I feel. I love. Yeah, I really I love, love ultra suede. Yeah. It's such a great fabric. Uh, and I'll, I'll talk about mm-hmm. it a little more when we when we talk about uh, Tinkerbell's yes. costume because hers was made out of an actual suede, not mm-hmm. ultra suede. But I will argue for why ultra suede <laughs> would be a great thing to make it out of. Yes. <laughs> And then, obviously, if you wanted to kind of take it a different route, you don't have to be a male hook. You could be a female hook. I love all the gender-bent cosplays. The gender-bent Rufio. The yeah. I love it. And with these, you can kind of take more liberties, too, which I like, and kind of make your own adaptation. Um, so a lot of times when I see these kind of going back to the thrift store is people for the top buttons and mm-hmm. for certain ones on it will use uh, just brooches you can get at the thrift store, but the challenge that I always found was painting them so that mm-hmm. it would match and have them be kind mm-hmm. of uniform. Yeah. If they had these rhinestones, and I found if you take Elmer's glue and you put them on top of the rhinestones before you paint it, oh. you can peel the glue off, and then it leaves the rhinestones completely still in intact. Their setting. Yeah. yeah, and then you don't have to worry about trying to tape off and getting That's those crazy. weird lines, and so you can do very quickly paint all of them uniform colors and mm-hmm. use different brooches that all, because they're the same color, yeah. and incorporate that kind of add that, I, a different that's element. Brilliant. That's brilliant. I had never done that before. Yeah, that is so good. <laughs> I, I love, love it. doing that and then just, cause then they look like they're all together. Yeah. yeah. Again, something that you get for 15, 20 cents. <laughs> you know, and that's something like, especially like if you want to do this whole like gender bend idea is, is really take it and own it. And I love adding little personal details. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. We have this, the other pattern here. It's a bit more of a dress. Uh, but if I, I've seen people want to do like maybe not a sexy lady with pants and a coat, you could kind of do a, a gown mm-hmm. version of hook which Absolutely. would be really awesome to see and then uh, I love this pattern I actually still have three of them mm-hmm. in my existence this next pattern coming up <laughs> which is kind of like the pirate shirt and, and bustier oh yeah with, which, the, with the like under boob well, bodice yeah, and that <laughs> one actually comes with the um, that's all part of the uh, 6114 oh it is part of the 6114 so okay great yeah, yeah. they together so this, you can get both of those under boob bodices are your best friend <laughs> so if you have big or little boobies it doesn't matter it makes them all look great <laughs> my favorite thing. I'm part of the DFC club, so I like anything that can enhance. (laughs) I love with these two, I know last week we were Mm -hmm. talking about um, when it's hard to carry all of your belongings with it. Yes. You can do a satchel with these or like the the pockets Mm -hmm. on um, the jacket. It's so hard to make functional pockets. Uh, I found you can get these from the Army Surplus store and their actual ammo canisters, but you can use a leather cord Mm -hmm. Wrap it around oh, your waist, yeah. and then it's perfect to hold your lipstick and also your keys. Yes, <laughs> it's true. And then, and especially too, I've I've gotten if I'm doing like steampunk or pirate uh, costumes, I'll just get like a like a a leather pack and put my mm-hmm. cell phone in too. Yep. Whenever you can, add pockets or add things to carry because yes. that's not like something that. You know, when you're on the con floor, mm-hmm. you do, you don't want to just set your purse down. I mean, no, I've never had anything stolen, but no. and you just don't want to just yeah. leave that. And you don't want to have something in the shot. You know, someone's taking a photo. So yeah. <laughs> it's good to find. And, you know, even if the character doesn't have something, find a way to incorporate something. Yeah. That's kind of what I did with this one, too, is this is uh, just from a cheap prop store is mm-hmm. one of an actual leather 
a holster. Oh, nice. And then you can just put a cheap plastic gun in it. And then to get around the con rules, because a lot of them mm-hmm. you have to have the orange tips for it to go through weapons yep. check. If you get a rubber band that has, or just a brooch and you can clip it to a rubber band, just wrap it around the bottom and it covers it for photos, but still makes it where it's oh, that's con appropriate. Con appropriate. <laughs> yeah. And you can also kind of hook something to the back of here mm-hmm. so that you have kind of a little hidden pouch. Oh, that's so ingenious. It's just some little things. Mm-hmm. I always try to find creative yeah. ways to hold like my room key. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because not all of us can stick them in the boobs. <laughs> not run fair. All right. yep. Well, heading over to Julia Roberts' Tinker Bell, which I know Emma has always wanted to make. Yeah, this. actually, I, I, what I really want to make. Uh, this, this oh. is actually a thought I had when I got my hair cut to the way it is now because somebody commented when they saw me come downstairs. I'm a tour guide at Universal and I came mm-hmm. down the stairs and one of the girls in the office was like, it's like Tinkerbell's giving a tour. Uh, and so what I thought was that I wanted to, what I actually really want to do slash I might go to Joanne right after this because I have a 50% off coupon in my car um, <laughs> is do a Tinkerbell that is based on Julia Roberts' costume. Like I would make that costume yeah. but in the green from the Disney because oh. I have the blonde hair and then I wouldn't have to wear a wig which yes. is always great, especially Especially for a Sunday cosplay when you're looking for something comfortable that you can shop in. Um, yeah, but this costume in the movie is uh, it's made out of suede mm-hmm. uh, and it is airbrushed with some other colors to give it that more interesting look. It was just a plain tan suede. Uh, I would argue for making it out of ultra suede because mm-hmm. it has all these frayed ends on it and I know Meredith, you talked about this on the Cinderella episode. Mm. When you're working with a synthetic fabric and you just burn the ends, <laughs> there it, you go. You, they're not going to come across looking too too finished and they won't fray. Yeah. Mm-mm. So yeah, this is this is a costume that I and just love. Also, <laughs> the cost uh, between this and actual suede. Yeah, would be, lot. <laughs> yeah. Like that's like probably two hundred dollars, yep. if not more, yep. of hide. Yeah, um, and the yeah. Of tears when you break yep. the needle on actual mm-hmm. suede. Exactly. Versus, yeah. Yeah. So, so they they <laughs> estimate that uh, the value of of this costume on this one prop website mm-hmm. that I found it on would be between oh ten and twelve thousand dollars. Yeah. When you're working with ultra suede, you're going to bring the cost down to well, if you get stuff on mm-hmm. sale, maybe like forty bucks. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you could still dye and paint ultra suede. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and that that is kind of the nice thing mm-hmm. about these synthetic fabrics is they're. They're kind of forgiving. Yeah, they're actually more, yeah, more forgiving than naturals. Yeah. And in terms of patterns, there really wasn't much out there, but I found yeah. the old Simplicity 1770, yep. which is like, you're a generic whatever girl, but it, it's similar enough in the shape. Yeah. And, you know, I, I keep going back to always think about the style the shape. lines mm-hmm. and the shape, the silhouette. Yeah. You know, when, you, when you're looking for making a costume, find a pattern with the same silhouette yeah. and then you can easily make alterations. Exactly. And you can also branch outside of the costume section of the pattern books as well. Sometimes yeah. if you're looking to make just like a tunic like this, you if you if you need a pattern to use as a starting point, just flip to tops and yeah. maybe you'll find sort of a long shirt there. You just make it as long as you want and then cut the ends to do that frayed look. Yeah, it's it luckily Tinkerbell's costume would be a, a good a nice you know, for especially for people wanting to start out, it would be a really fun project to yeah, start to- with. Mm-hmm. Totally. I, mm-hmm. I feel like I could make this in a couple hours. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this this is a really, really good starting point. As is honestly Peter Pan's yeah. costume in this movie is is quite 
simple. It's quite similar. Yeah, it it very much mirrors Tink's costume in many ways, which I think was a a very great aesthetic design on Powell's part. We see him in his traditional green. Mm -hmm. uh, And again, it looks like another suede blend Mm -hmm. material. And he uh, it's got a little bit more layers, a little bit more going on. It's actually a little bit more fitted because he's got that belt on Mm -hmm. his way. It's true. Yeah. But it's it's a it's a great and simple design that's unique to this film, but I still feel it's Peter Pan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, once again, it's like we all have this image of Peter Pan in our heads, yeah. be it from illustrations, from the Disney. novel by J.M. Barry, or, of course, from the yeah. Disney movie. None of us can get that out of mm-hmm. our heads. So I think Peter Pan forever will wear green. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, once again, very similar to the Tinkerbell costume. This costume, interestingly enough, I was looking at it on one of those um, archive sites. Mm-hmm. And they had the promotional flying close-up costume. And it's actually uh, open at the front. The The shirt is really more of a jacket, and then he has an undershirt on underneath it. And then what gives it the shape is, of course, the belt that he is wearing. So, so it's almost like they recreated. Well, so one of the one of the things one of the themes in the film is that Peter Pan grew up to be a pirate. Yep, when he he was a lawyer, he went and shot people out of the water with how good he was. And I love that. In a way, the undershirt, because of the leaf ruffles, reminds me of a pirate ruffle of a typical pirate shirt. And I don't again, I I couldn't talk to Anthony Powell to see was this a, a choice you made, but I I think they. This film is so laden with symbolism and that it mm-hmm. comes, it brings back and forth a lot of different uh, themes. I really feel that that's a conscious choice they made. And actually, if we skip to the next photo, we kind of have a, a more full body where you see him with the tights, the yeah. boots, and everything. Mm-hmm. And I love that promotional photo. I know. I know. Of them too, because you can just see the costume work from head to toe so well. Yeah. And how well it goes together. And here's a, a slightly more close-up shot. And you can see all the, the leaves put on there. I feel like you can buy a bunch of leaves and do this in a Poison Ivy costume in a weekend. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Just knock them both out. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, one one last shot of them together. So, yeah. An interesting thing to note about Hook's hook. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, I saw a, a close-up of it on one of the archive sites. They were talking about how they had to make it a lot longer than a hook like that would have normally probably been for someone who had had their hand replaced with a hook, specifically for a couple scenes. So there's the scene in the big battle where he sharpens the hook mm-hmm. on the the like the wheel, the wheel, the stone wheel. Yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, and so they needed the hook to be longer for that scene just to make it look right in the shot. Uh, and then of course when he actually like uses the hook to open the door mm-hmm. in the beginning of the movie when he goes and kidnaps the kids. Yeah. So I thought that was just an interesting detail. And when it's just kind of, you know, it's one of those things too, scaling things up to make them look a little bit more larger than life. Yeah. You know? it, it works so well in this. Yeah. Now, we were actually lucky. You, you, uh, got some pictures from a friend yeah. of yours. Yeah. So, uh, my friend Devin Weitzman, uh, mm-hmm. who also cuts my hair. She's awesome. Uh, she, uh, does a gender bend Rufio. So I have some photos of this. And this is a really good example of how you don't have to be a great seamstress to do great cosplay. Exactly. And incidentally, Devin is a very good seamstress, but this happens to be a costume that she didn't actually do a whole lot of sewing on. Um, so what she did was she cut the arms off of a leather jacket. Um, you, she's wearing red tights under black leggings uh, that she just cut up so you would see the red underneath. And then she added fringe to the arms of the leather now vest. It was previously <laughs> yeah. a jacket. Uh, but it, but Rufio's costume in the movie looks like it was a jacket that had had the sleeves mm-hmm. cut off it and added fringe. As most punk kids would have exactly. done that, actually. And so 
so the fringe on it, it is all faux leather, much cheaper than real leather. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing that she made the belt item out of. Uh, there are beads on the end of the fringe. She literally bought a necklace and no. took the beads off it and put it on the fringe. Super easy solution, super cheap that way. And once again, that gives you a lot of options. You can go as cheap or as expensive mm-hmm. as you want. Uh, there are many, many sources for purchasing beads. Yeah. Uh, and then she made the necklace that, the Rufio necklace that she's mm-hmm. wearing with the teeth. And the teeth are actually just Crayola model magic. Nice. That's painted. So yeah, she just and then put onto a string. And then her hair, uh, is, that is actually just her own hair, uh, <laughs> that she has put red extensions into. So oh, she nice. has, she has dark hair. Yeah. In some of the close-ups, you'll see she actually has a little turquoise in her hair right now. So there's, uh, she just teases up her own hair and then adds, uh, some red extensions into it that are teased as well to create that Rufio mohawk look. Yeah, and if you really want to go, it does, it looks great. And if you want to get like kind of, you know, in hair extensions, there's Kanakalan, Takakalan, and then Mm -hmm. um, this is kind of like the jumbo braid. Mm -hmm. Like you can, if you want to go for like super like, you know, grungy or you're making, uh, if you're going to make dreadlocks, I would definitely look at jumbo braid. It also happens to be the cheapest of the different (laughs) hairs. You know what I've found too is that you can get, because sometimes it's hard to find these specialized colors, like if you want a bright purple or a red, if you dye it with Kool-Aid. Yeah. Yeah. Kool-Aid just holds really, really well. You don't really have to worry about it coming out and it gives you these great colors Mm, that is cheaper than getting a dye. Make sure it's totally dry though before you get it anywhere near your clothes. Or your actual hair (laughs) because it will not wash out of your actual hair. I used Artist Ink when I dyed my Lilith wig from Borderlands, uh, and that ran because uh, that got caught in the rain, and I suddenly had a pink neck. So, and I yeah. bet it stayed pink for a while. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then, um, I just wanted to share this image from my childhood as well. Uh, so Hook came out in 1991, Aww. and in Halloween of 1992, my brother uh, was Aww. Hook for Halloween. So that's my little brother Colin. Uh, Is that you? Yep. That's me dressed as Belle, Belle from Beauty and the Beast, and my mom had to make that costume up because there weren't any Beauty and the Beast uh, patterns yet Your at mom the time. Is so that's, cool. Yeah. She's pretty great. Uh, that's yeah. crazy that Beauty and the Beast actually beat out Hook for best song. Yeah. That yeah. Year. yeah. So you are both. You're just exactly. The we were just wrestling the Oscar my face. Uh, but yeah. So my my little brother's coat. I, I really actually wanted to bring this up mm-hmm. because this coat is made out of felt. Uh, so this is just a really good example of how you can fake Mm -hmm. things with cheaper materials. We talked about the suede versus, you know, using the ultra suede versus using actual suede for making Hook's coat. You know, this is, this is felt and it's, it has a nice weight to it. I wouldn't necessarily recommend using felt for a full size adult costume, (laughs) but you know, it was very effective. And once again, just put gold trim and the buttons to suggest that kind of costume and you know it's not the exact costume certainly that Dustin Hoffman wears but you can tell that he's specifically being the Dustin Hoffman hug yeah so. no it's adorable it's so precious <laughs> so mom I know you're watching send me some of my old Zelda costumes you made me so <laughs> yes. I, could I think like that I, I want to like nerd out about moms who like supported yeah. us our nerdiness as yeah. kids yep That's so my adorable. mom was so sweet we went to an anime con with my little mm-hmm. sister and she had her ears out and my mom kept going your ears are sticking out and fixing her She's like, I'm supposed to be a fairy. That's <laughs> <laughs> so precious. Well, that's Hook. It's that an is. emotional journey. It is. Sorry, I'm, I'm having... I'm having feels. Yeah, I know some people. Stuff. Some people were uh, recommending mm-hmm. watching or, or reading uh, Dante Bosco's tribute to uh, Robin mm-hmm. Williams, and I was like, uh, I can't my do heart it right can't now. handle that. I can't. 
I had a hard enough time watching it last night, and so I'm, oh I, it's even talking about it. I'm kind of remembering a lot of the emotions I, I had. Watched, I watched the second half of it in my. I have a TV in my yeah. bedroom, and so I was watching it as I was going to sleep, and so it's just like laying oh. there in bed crying. No, no. Tears of joy, no, tears of joy for for the movie, the movie. and sadness yeah. over Robin Williams, of course. So for her cosplay tip of the week, yes. it's not so much a tip. Uh, well, it is, uh, but it isn't. Yeah. I wanted to talk about my friend Jay Tablante and his awesome book that just came out called Techniques in Cosplay, Geekology 2.0. I'm sorry, Techniques in Cosplay Photography. So this is a really amazing book that I actually got to be part of. Um, he is a Filipino-based photographer who does legitimately some of the coolest cosplay photos I have ever seen. I've been a fan of his work for years. And last year he came down to San Diego Comic Con and did a shoot. And, uh, and, and Jay and his team, uh, are, are, are wizards. That's all I can say. Yeah. Wizards. And what he does in this book is he details some of his shooting process. Like, here's my light setup, or here's how I do my composites. He even, you know, talks a bit about, like, costuming in general. Like, Jay gave me the best tip when it came to making a bodysuit uh, to add a little bit of a dart underneath the boobs because it helps because bodysuits, and I talked about this the other week, bodysuits flatten people out, mm-hmm. but the dart will help push things up. And and Jay's, uh, I know Jay's told that to almost every person he's worked with, and I, I think all of us have a adjusted our patterns because of Jay's input. But this this book is uh, published by Anvil Photography, which I believe is uh, either self-published or help, uh, his company. But you can get it online. And awesome. uh, another great thing is Jay is coming to the States again this year. He'll be, I'm hoping to drag him to Anime Expo, but he's definitely oh, going to be at man. San Diego Comic-Con. So Awesome. Yeah, he's he's a great guy, and I'm hoping to actually get him come on, to come on to our show yeah. and the Marvel show because he's a giant geek. And uh, <laughs> we'll talk more about uh, cosplay photography with him because that's a... It's kind of a, a thing that we all, as cosplayers, we like to go get in front of the camera. That's absolutely true. <laughs> Just a bit. But yeah, that's, uh, I'm really excited because I've been waiting for this book to come out and it came, my friend Pat delivered it to me and I was like, oh my God, that's look, awesome. I'm in a book and look at all these pretty ladies. Yay! So, yeah. so I am, but I will say like the way he gets into his theory is like, I mean, this is a, this is a, a, a textbook. It teaches you about the process that's and, awesome. and it's really awesome. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. I think, wow, it's 52 minutes. I know. How did our show go by so fast? <laughs> I don't know. Time that's the, ma- that's Time the magic flies. of Neverland. I know. <laughs> Do you guys have any closing thoughts on this episode? I just, Hook, to me, is such a big part of my childhood. I have such vivid memories of seeing that in the movie theater, and that just carried on throughout my life. I remember my brother my brother was really into hook i mean in addition to being hooked that halloween my dad got him a peter pan costume we had the gold sword from the movie there was a toy of it and uh and and it's a movie that every time i come back to it it still really holds up for me so that's only bangering that's <laughs> all i got <laughs> and brilliant it is and for me you know it reminds me never grow up yeah you, know? you can always adult but never forget that <laughs> piece of your childhood and i think that's probably why we all cosplay. Yep. So. <laughs> all right, guys. For next week, we are going to talk about the marvelous Avengers Age of Ultron. Woo-hoo! I'm so excited. Uh, I will have to say it's not going to be a live show next week uh, because yeah. I have to go out of town for a trip. Uh, 
nothing cool. I'm just me. And, well, he's cool. My boyfriend and I are going out for our anniversary, so I'm really excited. <laughs> uh, but we're gonna we'll pre-record the episode. And we'll have it. Uh, we've got. Uh, looks like Katie Elhoffer will be coming back. Uh, we'll be talking maybe about some certain uh, fashion trends. <laughs> and uh, what we're really excited about, too, is uh, it's going to be a little bit of a, a different show because we're going to talk about uh, one aspect from every costume. Mm-hmm. So I want you guys out there to tweet and message and Facebook comment at us what co- like what piece from every Avengers costume or the bad guys, do you yeah. want to see and hear us talk about? Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be awesome. And remember, guys, go to that iTunes, hit the like, hit the five stars, please go to YouTube, give us the thumbs up, tweet at us, message us on Facebook, email <laughs> us at thecosplaycoach at gmail.com, and let us know what, what films and, and properties you want us to talk about. Yeah. All right, I'm Meredith Placco. You can find me at mplacco. Also, somebody on our chat said that they think you sound like Comic Book Girl 19. So. Oh, cool. That's an honor. She's super awesome. I was going awesome. to say, I thought you needed yeah, to know that. She's super awesome. I want to have her on the Marvel show. If anyone knows her, please, please ask her to come please. on. Uh, I am Emma Fife. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Emma Fife. You can also watch me on some shows at AfterBuzzTV.com, which is popcorn talk sort of sister friend network. Um, I am uh, currently on the Sailor Moon Crystal After Buzz show. That's every other Saturday, every other Sunday, not this Sunday, but every Sunday you can see me on Transformers Robots in Disguise at 5 p.m. And I'm Elena Jordan. You can find me on Twitter at Elena Jordan, on Instagram at that Elena Jordan girl. I'm on a couple After Buzz shows with the this one right Yeah, here. we just wrapped on Face Off. We're very sad it's over. <laughs> We'll have to get you some more. All right, guys. We'll see you next week for Avengers. Yes. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.